All right. Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by the marketinghelp.co, your number one resource for proactively advancing your marketing career. Okay, we have another great uh, Marketing Career Moments episode today. And this is where we interview marketers, learn about their career path, learn about their day in the life, and learn about uh, tips and insights they have to share from their specific roles and responsibilities. And today's guest, great guest today, Paul Cowan. Paul is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of FreshBooks, um, invoice and accounting software. So Paul shares some insights on his career path, which is very interesting. Great, great background. He's, he's worked pretty much everywhere. Startup, enterprise, in-house, consulting. Uh, talks about his learnings from each of those stops, but more importantly, how that helped him transition into a CMO role. Now, he's got also great, some great tips on managing remote marketing teams, but also what first-time managers need to be ready to encounter. And his, uh, his, his best story in this episode is, is the most defining moment of his career, which is towards the end, but you got to definitely check that out. Great story he has to share. Make sure to check out the show notes. We have links on how to connect with Paul and some other marketing career resources for you to check out. So let's get to it. This is my conversation with Paul Cowan. CMO at FreshBooks. Hey, fellow marketers, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. I am joined today, great episode, CMO of FreshBooks, Paul Cowan. Paul, welcome to the episode. Hey, great. Thanks. to be Good to be here, Eric. So, so, Paul, as you know, this is a Career Moments episode, and we are really interested in learning about marketers and their journey and their career path. So let's just start off by walking us through. I love your background. A good mix of agency, in-house, SaaS, software, all those things. But take us through from maybe, I don't know, university, whatever whatever that catalyst moment was to get into marketing and take us all the way through to to where we are now. Yeah, no problem. Um, It's, uh, yeah, I I, I don't think I've had a traditional career path. And and if it was by design, I would be lying, but I can, I can always back the truck up to say, yeah, this was all, this was all by design, but uh, I can, I can kind of give you the flow of of how this all happened. But I think, um, you know, early on, I I was always, I always kind of knew I wanted to get into marketing. I, I, you know, when I was young and in high school, I, I had a lot of like kind of side hustles and things that I was doing to, to make cash. And they all kind of, always centered around either building a business, whether I was like running a, a lawn cutting cut uh, business or, or I was like bootlegging booze because I nice. had the best, the best fake ID. <laughs> um, it, and so, you know, as, as I went through and went to university and all that kind of stuff, I, I came out and, um, and, and knew I wanted to get into something in the marketing space. And of course you don't really have a, a clear sense of, of what it's going to be, but you know, I, I, I first like set my sights on, uh, on advertising um, and that was mainly because I had a three-month stint doing territory sales for Nestle, and I realized that sales was not the place I wanted to be. So mm-hmm. after selling confectionery ice cream to convenience stores for three months in the middle of winter, um, you really get an appreciation for um, of what, what you like and what you don't like to do. So um, I knew I wanted to get into to, to, to marketing. I went into the, the ad route. So I did a couple of years in, in a couple of different agencies. Um, it, it was uh, it was a good kind of place to learn and, uh, that that side of the business and cut your teeth at it. Um, I, I knew that where I needed to go next was into client side roles because I really just felt like not being at the center of the um, the strategy and and being the decision maker was was um, not the place I wanted to be. So I, I shifted there, um, went and did. Uh, uh, a role at uh, Excite uh, at home. Nice. Um, so if you go get in the Wayback Machine to the dot com bubble in the early two thousands, I um, I was I was I was part of that activity. And then of course um, they went bankrupt. So um, that kind of thrust me into doing some entrepreneurial activity where I started a company. Uh, it, it was kind of a precursor to the programmatic ad space where we were taking remnant inventory and and reselling it. Um, so did that for a little bit and and kind of. Felt you know felt still felt like I needed to get back into the marketing space and really um, you know make sure I I, I grew up and and experienced things like and uh, and just knew how organizations ran. So I went into worked in uh, in in a telco for um, about five and a half years in the wireless space. So this was like kind of going from the feature phone era in like 2003 up to um, like post smartphone post iPhone era in in 08. 
So that was really kind of me where I learned how large organizations, large matrix organizations worked. And, um, you know, I'm based up in Toronto, Canada, and it was one of the, the largest telcos up, up here called Rogers. And, mm-hmm. and so it was uh, a yeah, 30,000 some odd organizations. So um, in comparatively like to the States, it was like kind of like the AT&T because we had like sports teams and, and uh, cable companies and, and internet and, uh, and media companies and all of that kind of stuff. So, so fairly large. Um, you know, after after doing that, shifted back, went into um, uh, the social media spaces. That was really kind of taken off. This was like when Facebook was was just sort of building up, just actually releasing outside of universities, and and we just knew that there was a big bubble there going on. So. Uh, uh, another gentleman had just founded a company. It was kind of like, we'll do anything for money in the social media space. And, uh, and then we, we, we focused, we, we built a, a SaaS platform, uh, had a services component to the business. Um, so we were doing kind of everything under the, the Facebook developer area. So, um, you know, analytics, we were doing development, um, had all their badge ads. Uh, we had an ads platform as well. So, so it was really just about building. So doing the, the typical kind of, SaaS uh, approach there in terms of like build it up, get funding, um, scale, 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 and and keep going. Um, the, the company then um, uh, ended up shutting down. Um, so we went through all the all the cash. It was an interesting experience. Acquisitions happened. Uh, our company was was not acquired, so knew that it was it was time to have to shift. So went back again to a large company. Did did a little a little bit in the in the in the toy space, um, and then. Uh, uh, shifted out of there, did some more consulting on my own, and 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 just working on my own for a few years, and then I I ended up in uh, in at Shutterstock running enterprise uh, and and SMB marketing globally for for that organization for a few years, and then uh, and then I've I've just moved over to FreshBooks as CMO, and and just kind of the one if to kind of sum it up, the things like I've done is really about or like what I've focused on and the the, the way that I've I've really thought about my career is I've just focused on waves. Like I love technology. I've always kind of centered, back, even back in when I was in uh, uh, the ad agency side, I was always working on tech companies. So like Ask Jeeves was a client. If yeah. uh, if you nice. Can oh yeah. <laughs> and and so, but I, I so I always wanted to be centered in technology. I always tried to ride waves of what was happening, whether it was like you know at what I was working in telco and riding that that wireless wave, or working um, in the social media space and, and riding that wave. I've always really just tried to tried to center things around that, those two areas and 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 keep in that vein of marketing. Awesome. And those roles before Shutterstock and FreshBooks was your actual role. Uh, was it more of a builder? Was it more of a strategist? Were you practicing? What, what was your what were you doing uh, in those roles prior to the when you got into more leadership roles? Yeah, it was it was definitely a mix of of both. So I'd say you know it, when when I did my as I as I kind of grew through like in uh, in the wireless uh, industry, that was me going from like manager to director and and really just kind of like understanding how organizations work. So I was really it was it was going from like head down day to day is in terms of building up marketing strategies to, to then like, what's it like to build and run teams and be accountable for, for, uh, for a, a fairly sizable part of the revenue for the business. Um, and then, and, and, you know, and then, then shifting gears and going into the startup space, you, you just have to do everything. So it's, it's, you know, I was building, I was like a bit of a cleaner. So I was taking on new areas of the company. So as we shifted into, into, to, building a SaaS product out, it's like, you know, we, we look around, we're like, Hey, we need to have someone run sales. And so everyone looked around and said, you know, something about sales, right, Paul? And I'm like, no, I don't at all, but I'll do it. So I, I'm like, the first thing I need to do is hire someone that's going to run sales. Right. Um, but I've, I've always kind of, so I've always had these like builder type of things where I'll take it and build it up to the best extent that I can. And, and then if I need to shift out, I will, or or if it's like commercializing uh, products as well. Like in again, in that SaaS organization, we had like uh, we had a, a practice that was doing measurement and analytics and consulting, and then I took that to figure out how to productize it and turn it into into a SaaS product, and then and then go and just put a gas pedal down in terms of driving revenue. So, you know, I've I've always kind of looked at myself as being that builder and and trying to figure out really kind of how how to commercialize things. And I guess in that path, uh, in the roles that you've had, you know, what's been that skill that you've always had to come back to, or what would you count as the most important skill that isn't knowing how to do paid search or SEO that that allowed you to kind of ride those waves? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I would I would probably like I don't know how much of it's a, a skill um, as as much as it is gut. Uh, yeah. I think I think the times that I've I've really kind of relied and had a, a a solid understanding of of what we were in business to do and a solid understanding kind of 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 the customer is is when I've been successful. When it, when I haven't been successful, it's been when I haven't actually listened to my gut. So what, one thing I missed, I actually did. I started a food. Uh, tech company um, called uh, called Feast uh, ran it for about two two and a half years and and so it was at the time in in like 2014 when like a ton of money was going into the food space and mm-hmm. and like companies like Maple and Muntree were doing fairly fairly sizable raises and and so we launched at the same time as uh, as Maple did uh, and we had basically the same type of service a full stack food um, uh, provider that could get you meals like within 10 minutes kind of thing. And so it was. Uh, we had a, a big tech kind of platform, and 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 it was actually a, a, a tough um, technology exercise just to match like uh, demand with inventory with proximity of a of a of a rider um, or driver, and uh, and and meeting the FLA that we we wanted. Um, right. But then we had this whole like. So I was like super interested in that tech problem. But then we had this whole thing called the food side of the business, <laughs> which I was like, yeah, I'd worked at a restaurant and university, but I knew nothing about it. And so we had hired a, a bunch of people to run that side of the business who were experts there, but they were, weren't tech people. And so I was always like, my gut was like, ah, we're over-investing in this or we're over-investing in that because you need to, to, if you want to do food right, you need to make sure it's great. But I'm like, is there different models we could be taking to really kind of lower our costs and make sure we've got good product market fit before we over-invest here? Um, and, and my gut was telling me that, but I'm like, ah, better listen to the experts. And then, uh, and then of course, like we, 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 you know, we were doing a couple million a month in, in revenue, but we weren't doing enough or sorry, a couple hundred thousand a month in revenue, but we weren't doing enough to really kind of, uh, to support the business. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really about like listening to your gut, um, and, and making sure you, you, you know, what's going on, um, from a, a practical skill it's data analysis. I've mm-hmm. always, I've always, um, you know, I graduated with, with philosophy and politics. So you, I, I not, I probably wouldn't be the first person you peg as being one who <laughs> loves to get, to go deep into spreadsheets and understand what's going on. But I learned early in my career that, that just knowing, knowing the numbers and knowing what was happening in the business was incredibly important. And and the more you knew, and the more you just were a sponge to soak up research whether it's quant or qual and or and get into the numbers in terms of performance um the the more you're going to know about about what what is the appropriate decisions to make and i was surprised with how few people actually did it well absolutely I, well i mean now it's a necessity but even I mean, back yeah. then whatever it was uh sure we had access to data but you know nowadays it's it's, it's a must-have so yeah. when i when i focus on the uh the shutterstock to fresh books you know what 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 drew you to the the FreshBooks role as a CMO? I mean, you know, title wise, right? So it was advancing from where you were at Shutterstock, but what was the draw there? Yeah, so you know, it, I, I was having a great time at Shutterstock. It, you know, the, the company's doing well; it continues to do well. Um, I, I've, I've worked in a lot of um, founder uh, founder run businesses, so you know, even at, when I was in the, the telco, it was uh, the founder, this guy Ted Rogers, was still very involved in the business. But uh, and John Oranger, who is the the founder of Shutterstock, he was still very involved in the business at the time, and 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 I was loving what I was doing there. It was great. We were we were. Um, you know, the company had never really done a whole bunch of enterprise marketing. Um, we were we were building stuff. We were building the capabilities out. We were um, we were helping educate the sales team on 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 how to do all of this stuff, and 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 it was working. And uh, and then so I was really kind of like I was focusing my effort on like what's the next big thing and and what's the next big strategies that we should be looking at from a from a market standpoint. Um, as well as I'm a marketer, so we were targeting marketers. So being a marketer that targets marketers is it was kind of fun. Um, but but then I got a call about about FreshBooks, and um, you know, on my hit list of like the next thing to do was a CMO role, and I was like, you know, I was reporting into New York at, at when I was I was living in Toronto at at when I was at Shutterstock, and so I was traveling a lot, like I was you know seeing the inside of 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 planes more than I was my family. So that was after two years, it was starting to get a little bit um, a little bit tiring. Um, but you know, my list was like SaaS based company, Toronto CMO job. And then FreshBooks called SaaS based company CMO role in Toronto, and I'm like, great. And and also, I wanted something that was going to have a bit of a global remit. 
And so, um, you know, the pitch was like, hey, we want to we want to keep growing. We need to evolve uh, the product and, and what we're doing. Um, you know, we do you want to be, be a part of this big growth machine? And uh, and I said, hell, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So, um, you know, they were saying all the things and, and, and also, you know, I really kind of I spent a lot of time with Mike, um, the founder, and and just did a lot of mind meld message, uh, sessions with him, so that I knew it, when I came in there there wasn't going to be any surprises. So it uh, it it I think spending the time to really kind of understand the mind of 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 the guy who founded the company was was pretty critical in terms of helping me make my decision. Got it. Now we talk about in in the marketing help we talk about the six factors that anyone should be considering when looking for a job. And you nailed three of them, which tells me that's why that was a great fit for you, which is location. Uh, sounds like balance because you didn't want to be traveling every week. Um, yeah. And the challenge, which was giving me the global remit so I can actually spread my wings and get some experience in the global yeah. sector. So uh, makes complete sense. Now for those listening in our audience that are the marketing managers, the marketing VPs, and maybe they're faced with that, maybe that same dilemma. Any advice for them if they are looking to advance and, and get to that next level of marketing leadership, uh, what would you tell them to do uh, as they make the next step in their path to, to what could be VP, EVP, CMO? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, this is a, it's it's a tough question because first I think they have to understand what are the categories they like to work in and, and where do they think they'd actually be a good fit? So like, I know that, you know, this is my first CMO role. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to, I'll be here for a while. Um, but the other side of it is that I couldn't go and be a CMO at Mondelez or, or, or P&G or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even get called by, by, by those folks um, because I just don't fit the profile of what they're looking for. Like, you know, a lot of ex-consulting backgrounds, a lot of folks who've just like done the growing up through those ranks and stuff. And whether for good or bad, that's, that's what they, they like to hire. Right. Um, so I think the first thing is like targeting targeting the right industry and then building the appropriate career path so that that um, and skill sets that that actually work well in that industry. the The first thing is like I think for more junior folks, it's like um, one of the big challenges that I'm seeing in terms of like career development is is the T-shaped career mm-hmm. path just just doesn't exist anymore. So I'm like a a, a a capital bolded T because I've just gone across and done so many different things. Um, whether whether by choice or by force, I've just had to learn all of these different things, and and so um, you know when when I'm hiring now, it's really hard to find folks who kind of go across and who are horizontal strategists and understand all of the P's of marketing. So the first step would be, I think, is like how, how do you just make sure that you're going and, and, and getting all the different types of skills that you need to get, whether it's within your existing role or whether it's at a, a different company. So, so I think that's, that's like the first thing and, and, and then making sure like, as you're kind of growing that T, like having that focus on that next thing, because like, I knew that, okay, great. Like I, I, to, to be hired at FreshBooks, um, like I, I was doing global, I've actually done a ton of global work from like the 2008 to now. So I had like global job when I was building a SaaS company and, and even the clients were working on raw global in nature at a toy company in Toronto, this company called Spinmaster, that was a global, global organization. Shutterstock, that was a global, global job. So, you know, I knew that at, in Toronto, there's a severe lack of people with global experience because like it's Toronto, Canada, even New York, there's not a lot of people with good global experience. Like you know, the often folks in the U.S. they get very, very myopically focused that everything operates like the United States, and it just right. doesn't. And and in Canada, you know, you 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 always have a, a bit more of a global view in, in terms of how the world operates, um, because we're we're always mindful of like where we came from and the Commonwealth and all those types of things that that just happen. And and just being the smaller folk, we just see how everyone else operates. So. You know, I, I knew that that was incredibly important for me to in to it, it, especially within FreshBooks. So it's 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 really kind of knowing those things that that your employer, the potential employer, is going to be ticking boxes in. And so, you know, I think as as people are looking at the different categories, whether it's like, hey, B two B marketing's like severely under resourced and understaffed right now. Um, what are the things that you need to do within B two B marketing to to really be um, 
very, very marketable. So it's just like really kind of making sure you have all those that what are those specific things within that T that people are looking for? Yep, absolutely. Now, now, how much would you say your network or networking was valuable from getting from spot to spot in your last call it your last three stops? Uh, incredibly, incredibly important. So, I mean, in, interestingly, um, FreshBooks, uh, being a Toronto-based company and, and having a fairly large network, I didn't know very many people at the company. Right. I knew a bunch of people in my network knew everybody and like knew the founders or played like um, Ultimate Frisbee with them or knew them in university or high school or something like that. But, but, but my network actually wasn't the thing that got me into the job. I think I think network is massively important because it it's kind of my network got me into the Shutterstock, my network got me into Spinmaster, my network was what why I, I moved over into this company Syncaps. And so, you know, I've I've always I've always cultivated and built my network and 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 made sure that it wasn't something I ignored. Um, even to this day, like um, I I place a lot of value in terms of meeting with people, talking to people, especially when people are going through downtimes. Um, that's when, when I try to double down on, on helping people out because having been there in a few occasions, whether it was, you know, uh, twice I've, you know, been, um, uh, well, one uh, or a couple of times I've, I've been out of jobs because of, we've had to either wind companies down or, you know, been exited uh, by force um, or, or, or the company goes bankrupt. Um, and and you're the person who's calling people up. So um, I, I always try to make sure that that you know I'm I'm cultivating a network that way, but then also just keeping in touch with people and and trying to provide some sort of value to them um, uh, throughout throughout their careers. And is there a networking tip that you'd recommend for those looking to get uh, either to to maintain a strong network in the marketing sector or to uh, advance or grow? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's um, you know I think one thing is is being really positive. Um, and it's kind of might sound weird, but I think like, you know, I, I kind of approach, um, networking and, and managing the folks that I know, like I do kind of like managing your, your social media friends, um, and, and just not trying to be a troll on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff, because it's very easy to, to go down, um, rat holes, but, but just trying to help like progress conversations and move things along and, 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 and helping kind of connect other folks. I think the things that I always follow from a networking standpoint, um, I just, I've, I do two things. One is that um, the folks that I, that are close to me, I, I try to keep close to me. Um, folks that uh, I find are, are drains and are always just like trying to ask for things at specific times. I'm, I'm just trying to call. So um, I, I don't ever kind of shut the door to people because I think everybody, you know, um, they might, there might be some, you know, challenges that people might be having or whatever it might be. But I, but I think overall, it's just like, as, as I've kind of progressed, I really just um, try to try to keep connected to the folks who um, are both like-minded, but also, or have a, a, a different view of the world than me, but are the ones who are all trying to move in that same, same direction that I am as well. Yeah, I like that 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 advice because you know it really is about figuring out where you're getting deposits, uh, energy deposits, and energy withdrawals, and that's yeah. something I learned in some leadership function um, when it came to building teams. But from a networking standpoint, it makes complete sense because you want yeah. to uh, reach out to those like you were saying that actually can can help build as opposed to those those folks that are always uh, looking to take. Um, yeah, good tips. Yeah. yeah. All right, so so Paul Paul Cowan. CMO, Freshbook, a great journey through his career path. And we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and dig a little bit deeper into the day in the life of a CMO of a SaaS company and have some good questions for him about, about his team and team development. So we'll be right back. Hey guys, just a couple quick updates from the marketing help. We've actually uh, been working on this new free membership experience um, for you marketers. Now, all you need to do, to do is go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash subscribe. So when you get there, you set up your free account. And in the free account, we've curated just all the necessary tools, resources that we believe you need to get started. Uh, plus, we've introduced a new marketers community experience that allows you to further engage with others that are maybe in the same journey that you are. But you get access to tons of free resources, uh, a more vibrant, active community that you can start exploring ASAP. And with the free membership, um, you're going to be able to access some of these marketing career and job search guidebooks, interviewing templates, 
Uh, we just released a couple of helpful walkthrough videos where we walk you through what you need to be creating for your marketer's resume and your marketer's LinkedIn profile, because there's a difference. And we give you the tips that you need to embrace so that your profiles and your resume will stand out from all those other candidates that are interviewing for the same job that you are. So in addition to all that stuff, you get access to our Career Insights newsletter and you'll get immediate access and notification whenever we publish a future episode of the Marketing Careers podcast. So again, all you need to do, go free membership, set it up today at themarketinghelp.co forward slash subscribe. Now let's get uh, back to the episode. All right, and we're back here with Paul Cowan, CMO at FreshBooks. And let's take a deep dive into the day in the life of uh, your role, Paul, a CMO at FreshBooks. I mean, walk us through, you, you know, I mean, it used to be nine to five. I think everyone's not into that <laughs> vain anymore, but when you're when you're on the clock, so to speak, um, what does your day in life look like at a CMO level? I imagine there's a balance between on the business, in the business. Maybe walk us through how that stretches out over the, the course of, I guess, seven days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I definitely like to have structure to my to my week. I think, especially right now, it's it's really important just to make sure that we're um, that that we have kind of leave these these blocks. Um, one thing I also hold very very dear is blocks of time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one thing I do throughout my week um, is to is to block periods of time for me to to have uh, working time, or or just actual eating time, uh, or or actually getting outside and walking time to to clear the head because it's uh, it's very easy, especially now when you're commuting. A, a floor or two um, to to uh, lose sight of that, um, but you know usually I, I start. Uh, FreshBooks has an interesting culture. We're not like a crazy crazy early culture like a lot of kind of technology companies. Um, uh, so I, I usually I like to start early. I'm, I'm up kind of at, at five and and either we'll we'll kind of work out or, or get something like that in. Um, and then I'll, I'll do an hour or two of, of just kind of like looking at the numbers or, or kind of like picking up on, on specific types of, you know, what I would look at as being more like passion projects, which, which may be um, something at like reviewing copy on product pages or, um, or just really kind of looking at or like researching um, uh, specific companies or, or things of that nature. So, but, but the first thing that I'll do religiously is like, just look at the numbers, look at, look at how things have been actually trending, how our, our, our gross ads uh, are tracking, how many customers did we lose? Our, is our ARPU on, on track for what we are looking at, at, uh, at trying to achieve and 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 just spending spending my time there, um, I, I try to kind of stack like Monday and Tuesday uh, of with like more of the planning type meetings or go to market meetings. So so we every every Monday we we have a, a, a go to market excellence meeting. So we're we're reviewing everything we're doing from uh, in terms of all of our go to markets just to to make sure one that the organization is aware of of what's going on um, across all of our leaders, um, and this is 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 both within and uh, outside of marketing. So sales and data ops and, and product and all of, all of the, those teams know what's happening and, uh, and, and just kind of do our, our weekly check-ins on that front. Um, I, I kind of, then, then Tuesday is fairly similar where we have like other readouts from, from other kind of other departments and, and we walk through that, but you know, my, my, my day is pretty much structured the same where kind of I go through and, and my mornings are generally filled with like, what I try to keep as like either strategy and planning type of meetings um, uh, so that if I'm fresh off the numbers, we just kind of go with it. Uh, we have a couple weekly um, KPI meetings that we run on Tuesdays. Um, and th- then usually Tuesday afternoons, I'm lucky because I've got a, a, a bi-weekly exec management meeting. And uh, and so because it's bi-weekly, I u- it, it runs for an hour and a half. And, and after it, I usually hold an hour. Yep. And so on the off weeks, I just block the entire time to just have as working time. And more often than not, 90% of the time it gets booked up, but, but the off occasion, I will have some good, good hold times to actually just do some, some work, some thinking. And, and that's like my real kind of stretch during the week to be able to do stuff. Um, the remainder of the week is, is kind of interesting because, um, you know, again, like Wednesdays, like our, our, like we have again a bunch of 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 kind of working cross functional meetings where where we have some challenge areas um 
uh, like, you know, just like cross under cross organizational understanding of, of our, our segments that we're going after and how we operationalize against everything. So we, we do some, uh, some cross-functional meetings, uh, a lot of, um, uh, kind of, uh, product meetings where we're just like looking at the overall kind of platform experience and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and then like our, my Thursday is always like a crazy one-on-one -on -one day. I have no idea why it just ends up where that's the day where I, 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 I go through all of my one-on-ones with the team. Um, so I do my directs, but then I also do um, skip, skip level. levels and, yeah. and multiple skip levels. So, so every quarter I go through like three cohorts of, of our team. We've got about 60 people in the marketing team and, and so I try to get some time, some FaceTime with all of them just to hear like what's going on and, and, and how things are, are, are going in their day to day. And, and then luckily, like my Fridays, I keep my Friday afternoon clear. And, uh, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't get booked over top of. And it's, it's, it's absolute bliss. And, and it's just required again. Like, so I get have like that Tuesday and Friday afternoon just for working time and, and being able to do stuff. So, so it's, it's like, uh, the, the pattern of the week, like I always just kind of look at like early in the week as being like strategy and planning and thinking. And then the later part of the week is, is really kind of about like team connection, making sure that, that, you know, hearing things that are going on, making sure I've, I've got my, my finger on the pulse of, of the why things might be happening. So after we're doing like our heady, heady strategy and planning and looking at the numbers and everything, really starting to understand like, okay, what are the real things that are getting in the way of us actually executing this thing, whether it's people processes, just, you know, the ways that we're shooting ourselves in the foot or, or just big, big structural problems that we may have to, to be able to execute the way we need to. Got it. And, and I like the way that you have that. I think back to my calendar when I was a CMO and it was that Tuesday, it was eight to 11 in the morning was the, on the business, get my head around what was going on early in the week so that you could yeah. ideally pivot if needed during the rest of the week. But when it comes to your direct reports, so you talked about the, the one-on-ones on Thursday, direct reports, do you follow the rule of thumb, no more than seven people, or how many do you have as a direct report? Yeah. So I'm, I'm good right now. Like uh, seven is way too many in my books. <laughs> like I've got, uh, I have um, five right now yep. and, uh, and I'd even like to reduce that. Not, not just, you know, not, not anything's happening, but it's just like, you know, four or five is like where I, I typically like to max out just depending on the structure of the org. Got it. Now yeah. the, the data, you talk about the cross-functional meetings, which I, I love to hear about, especially in your role with product engineering, HR, like you're, you're, you're definitely interacting with all those different departments in the day in a life, you know, at the C level, CMO level, is there a particular department that you find to be necessary to be your, got to be my advocate, got to be the marketing team's advocate they, they have to have to be a friendly or else this, this, this thing doesn't work. Yeah, so it's we're we're kind of in an interesting spot, like as a company. Um, it, so first, I think it it really depends on the organization and mm -hmm. and where the organization is at. So so FreshBooks, um, uh, you know, really is is it uh, has historically been a product first organization. Um, it's it also was very customer first in terms of making sure it was the customers were being serviced um, that the everybody understood. Uh, who our customer was, the pain points that they have. Like we have a four-week training program that everybody goes through where they all nice. do support training. Um, so they re you really get to know like, you know, a lot of the problems with the product or, or what people, problems people are having with, with the product. You're also learning, you're also having great conversations with customers too, which is kind of nice as well. Um, but I think like where where we're we're shifting to is is as we're going through this this kind of structural and 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 trying to get to really kind of profitable growth. It's it's you know how do we how do we really make the the uh, company way more customer oriented than it currently is, and um and and so that's a different mindset than being a product first organization because a lot of times like you're just gonna the product will want to be working on like the big new things that they want to ship as opposed to like the things that they may need to be doubling down on because there's some, some um, challenges that existing customers might be having with, with the product. So that's not to say that they, like, so, so like, you know, first, like the product team has to be, be uh, uh, super aligned with marketing, especially when you're a SaaS organization mm -hmm. and, you know, sales is is right in 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 lockstep with us as well um mm -hmm. unlike other organizations i've been in where it's much more of a friction um 
uh, 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 kind of relationship between there's a lot more friction between the sales and marketing department. We we have a very good relationship with them because because we're we're really working at like how do we make sure that we're optimizing lead flow and and that they're they're kind of as they're growing their organization like they're making sure that they're driving enough volume into them. So, so we're just really trying to work out what that ideal balance is. So it's kind of nice that, that we're working with them as, as, as well. And, and I think with every company now, like data, data ops and the analytics team has to be like a critical piece underneath all of it in terms of being able to make sure it's foundational. Um, and it just really depends on how, like, I think the, it's not about the who it's really the how um, the, the, the organizations are working, are working, uh, uh, together and and really kind of identifying like what are the big challenges that need to be solved between the two. So like the problem I'm trying to solve between sales and marketing is very very different than the problem I'm trying to solve between product wow. and marketing. And and so making sure we have that shared understanding is pretty critical. And is your marketing team broken out so that you have a team that's dedicated to focus on demand generation and there's a team that's focused on customer support or customer marketing? Is that is that how you yeah. have your team? Broken up. Yeah, so we're we're first we we play like a heavy attrition game, um, and we've got a uh, we do a lot of activation through self service. Okay. So so our funnel like we shed a lot. We go through a free trial period, and then um uh and then we convert there. And and the direct sales function is something that we're building up um the uh, the muscle in right now. So uh it's you know we we really kind of look at like kind of our growth team or our folks who are really kind of focused at like how to bring people in and they're kind of structured between like strategy and subject matter experts. So I've got like a performance marketing team, but then like more of a horizontal um, strategy team that's looking at, at, at markets and uh, segments. Uh, and then we have our, our life cycle marketing team that, so we kind of structure against like the two pieces of the life cycle um, where, where they're looking at early life cycle and late life cycle. And then underneath there, we've got a, a shared uh, creative services, creative and content services team um, that, that does a lot of our, our content generation. So performance marketing website activity, um, they do a ton of, of a blog um, and uh, content generation. Then we've got a comms team that is again a shared service, but then having having that kind of subject matter expertise in the PR area, helping support um, uh, the activity that we're doing again against all of our, our specific segments as well. And, and product marketing is is also nested within there too. Got it. Makes sense. I mean, especially for for a SaaS business where you like you said a lot of dependency on free trial and making sure people are getting past that and then yeah. sticking around. Yeah. Um, so let's focus on the team, the team, right? So since COVID, how does that, how has that impacted your, I call it your management style. If it was, you know, I mean, you've been there for a little over a year or so maybe you just started getting comfortable, maybe in person. Now you're managing from uh, yeah. a virtual standpoint. How has that impacted if, if any, your management yeah. style? It's well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a, from a total company perspective, we're, we're trying to figure out like, how do we make sure that we're keeping culture alive and and that we have the uh, the rituals and the and the cultural milestones that we had as an organization before? Um, a lot of them were were based on events that we would run for the company, and so we've been trying to um, you know shift those events to full digital formats, um, but then also create new new touchstones as well. The um, you know. The, the style in terms of, or the, the, the approach that we have to take now, um, like there's no silver bullet on it. It's, it's trying to get people engaged, trying to understand how they're feeling, what they're thinking. Like, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, someone's just down in the dumps because, because COVID, they've got COVID drag. It's the end of February. They're tired of being inside. It's cold out. Like it's, it's really hard just to kind of get that understanding of just like what's, what's driving people and motivating people. Um, so I, I think the the approach has really just been really oscillating between like trying to be super energetic and keeping people pumped up to then like, hey, we might be behind on something. So now I have to be a hard ass to uh, like, you know, moving over to, to being like, okay, great. Like, let me be the empathetic kind of builder and, and support you through these things. So, you know, it's just trying to like shift on gears and try to understand like what what is it and and where people are at as well just to make sure that that we can adjust um to the the people of the org the what's happening and and just out external climate and stuff like that as well and for marketing leaders out there that are facing the same challenge of getting that team motivated that is now virtual and dealing with all the 
COVID drag and the Zoom fatigue. Do you have a, a tip, a secret when it comes to motivating your team? Do what you can control. It's, you know, there's, there's, um, I think we, uh, last summer, you know, when we had a, pa- a global pandemic, we had a lot of um, activity happening around Black Lives Matter, which was creating a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of drag in the organization, or just like, or just strange feelings within the organization, yeah. really. Like it's, it's really hard. And, and as an organization, what is like, what's our role and what can we actually influence? And, and what are the boundaries that, that we have? Because we've definitely stretched those boundaries and we've gone into different places that, you know, I've never seen organizations go into before. So I think, I think part of it is, is um, really just like, like focus first on what you can control. Yep. And, and, and when like, yes, you can motivate your team, you can run different types of events to try to get things going. Um, and it's really just about like trial and error on, um, on, on how to do them. Like, you know, gone are the days of a brainstorm session with a whiteboard. So right. how do you do it? Doing it on zoom just will never work as well. You can't do a two day offsite anymore and, and, and run a whole bunch of different types of games and stuff. So it's like, you have to do a lot more smaller frequent stuff. Um, you know, it, and so it's just a, a very different dynamic. Um, in a lot of organizations, what I find is like in, in all of them I've been at, there's always been a very small group of people that drive forward many yep. of the key strategies. So I think that the first place is like, how do you, how do you just identify and make sure that you're, you're getting those people to do the job that they need to do um, and making all the other people who are contributing feel good about their contributions as well. And then doing as much as you can to try to tease out who is that next generation of people who are going to be those folks pushing stuff forward. So, so I think being able to, to understand all of that are, are kind of the keys, uh, keys there. Have you lost anybody in your team in the last year, just uh, uh, per- performance-wise, or they just lost the the fire? Yeah, I mean, we we had um, we do a lot to try to retain people, and and when we've got great talent, um, we try to keep them. But you know, we did see um, a few people have their uh, have their foot out the door, um, whether it's because they got a great offer or whatever it is, and and it's like you know, once one foot's out, the next one's kind of gone, and so. Yeah. You know, as an organization, we are really, really aggressive at trying to keep people. And um, and I said, hey, you know what? Once one foot, don't even bother trying to keep them. Let them go and let's be happy with it, especially if they're moving on to something that's going to be better in their career. So, yeah, we, we've lost people. But, you know, our attrition is actually really low. Um, I've actually lo- I'm losing more people to COVID babies than I am to <laughs> to attrition. So we, we've got I have like four pe- four people on my team that are leaving. Um, uh, on, on, uh, on paternity, or paternity, maternity leaves. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Um, so damn, damn COVID. It's like, <laughs> and, and boredom, it has a, has a, a, an interesting effect on the world. That's right. So, so honing on the team and, and, you know, I love the perspective of those in, in leadership positions when it comes to hiring teams. So for those marketers out there that are just dying to get into that organization that they realize is the, the right fit for them, whether that's the position of the company, the location, whatever it is. And I'm not sure how much how involved you are in interviewing right now, but you know, what is the tip for those interviewing for marketing positions that have wowed you in your career where it's like, oh, that person's a, a must hire regardless of A, B, or C? You know, are there any tips you have for those looking to to wow people in interviews? Yeah, I mean, building teams like is is a huge part of it. Like it, it, the, the kind of the three areas that that I think like uh, a CMO is always like focused on is like, you know, one, the customer being obsessed over the customer to make sure that their marketing activities are, are, are going to work well and that they can operationalize the different plays that they want to make. The second is building teams and, and building out uh, great teams. So usually like there's a problem in a company and, and if, if there's any type of reorg or, or team building going on, there's, there's signals of change. So I think as people are coming in, just like understanding where that organization is at. And so if they're going through a moment of like a new CMO, they're rebuilding like a specific team within their, their, their org, there's obviously something that's driving that. So I think like it's, it's up to the candidates to really kind of sniff out where, where they are and where they're moving. And then like the third area that a, a CMO I think is really responsible for is truthful growth. So it's like, 
you know, we always are making assumptions every day on growth models and what's going to happen in assumptions. And then when they don't come true, which is always going to be the case, how do we then pivot, shift and adjust to, to the new realities of what we actually know? So I think what candidates need to come in first is I always look for people who just like get the customer and, and are, are people who want to come in. They're inquisitive. They, they understand the customer. They get where product market fit is coming in. Um, because if if they understand the customer and understand the product, then there is zero training that I'm going to ever have to do in terms of getting them to understand like who who our customer is. So it's like a core kind of linchpin of of, of what we're we're doing is is kind of done. Um, and then you know around that growth side, that truthful growth side, I just like people who tell me the truth. So like cut through the BS, people who can come to me and, and have an honest conversation around what we need to do as an organization and, uh, and help distill it all down. And something I tell our audience is that if you're interviewing for a company where it is a product like yours and you have a need for the product, use the product, right? What, what better way yeah. to walk in saying, you know, the customer as I am a customer, I, I've used your product to get my business off the ground and here are some thoughts I have. So absolutely. Um, Great tips and there. Why, and that's why like I was attracted to the organization was because like I've started my own business and I've run my own company. So I, I fit one of our personas. So right. uh or two of our personas. And and so it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, hey, I get it and I know what we're talking about here. And, and just like making sure we get more people like that is is critical. Um one of the other kind of pieces of advice, I, I got this kind of early on in my career. And, uh, and it's always resonated with me. Um, it, it doesn't always resonate with other people though, but it's like, it's, it's be brief, be smart and be gone. And so it's, you know, I, I've always just tried to follow that where, you know, less is more when writing things down, when trying to articulate a strategy, um, you know, we all, we all love to read very, very copy intense 50 page PowerPoints or slide decks, but come on, it's sometimes it's really good to get it down into one, um, it, it being brief, uh, just being smart with your strategies and making sure that, it, it, you know, I think part of part of that difficulty in being brief has to be your smart. So it's like, it's really, really tough to, to distill down tough, complex things into, into bite-sized chunks. And being gone, it's like, you know, it's the, the faster we can move things along, especially right now, like if I can eliminate meetings out of my calendar, cut things from one hour to 15 minutes, um, and just moving on is is like one of the the key things that you know I I, re- I really try to instill into people. Very nice. So so last question here as we wrap up is just when you think about your entire career before you started to where you are now, what has been the most impactful career moment that you can point to that says that was the thing that helped me either be the catalyst to open my eyes or be the thing that inspired me to get to where I am today? Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. You know, it's. Uh, there are so many, there's so many moments in my career that, that, that I could go back to. Um, you know, I think, I think the one that I, I had uh, that that's always kind of stuck with me was um, so it, when I first started at this company, Rogers communication, so big company, you know, 10 billion in revenue or so. And, and, and the, 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 the president and CEO of the company was uh, is it, it was was very involved in the business, and so I was um, I had to present to him um, a big program that was optimizing media across all of the different operating companies uh, in the organization, and uh, and so as now I was working with agencies and and other vendors and partners, and so my boss was the SVP of convergence marketing at the time. And, and so I took him, it's like binders of stuff. And, and so we would go into his office and it was like a quarter of, of the entire size of the building. And he was up on the, the top floor. It was a big campus. It had like three different buildings and stuff. And so, and he had this gigantic long, like Oak table and a fireplace at the end of it. And, and the thing must've been probably like 20 feet long and it was covered with stacks of paper, four feet high. So we're at the end of the table at a little part that had like a room for this giant binder. And there was like notes and like highlighter marks in it and all this kind of stuff. And so he's complaining about some of the stuff and the allocations that we were recommending. And of course we're mandated like, or legislated by like a governing body in terms of how we could do all this stuff. And so, uh, you know, he's like, he's him and, and my boss, Tom are in an argument and, and he's like, Tom, you know, God damn it. Like 
I don't like this stuff and what you're being told to do. And, and Tom's like, he's like, well, Ted, I'm a lawyer and I know that what they're saying is da, 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 da. Ted goes back to Tom. I'm a lawyer too. And blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, Hey, I I'm not a lawyer. I consulted with nine of them on, on these recommendations. And, and he, and I'm like, this is what the law is. He's like, well, God damn it. Just change the law. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Huh. That, that wasn't like, it wasn't a plan that I thought of, but you know, I'm not the billionaire in the room. So, so it, it's always been one of those things that kind of sticks with me. Cause I'm like, it, it's just about like how you get like beyond things. And it's like, if the laws of nature aren't working with you, change the laws of nature. If the rules aren't working for you, change the rules. So, so I think with a lot of us get really kind of stuck in like the way a company operates or so-and-so is going to be a blocker because of these reasons. And it's like, let's just find all the workarounds that the, around these things and, and figure out how to like zag when the rest of the company is zigging and or change the way the company operates if we don't like what's what's actually happening. So I think it's always like bringing a different and fresh perspective on on how to actually do things and not not really just get stuck in the politics or the way things have always been done. I love it. And I think that, that ties back earlier, you were talking about the mindset you need to have uh, or that you had along your career, which was like have the solution mindset, right? Go in there yeah. with with a with an answer and not a problem. Great stuff, Paul. That this has been extremely valuable. Great insights. Um, anything we need to know about what's going on at FreshBooks? Well, if I, I just say, if uh, I'll do a shameless plug, if you if you're starting a business or if you're a freelancer, check out the platform. Or if you're running an agency, we're we're perfect for for folks in the marketing space. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, just just check it out. I'd I'd love uh, any feedback. People can always just like take a take a spin and a tour of the product, and they can find me on Twitter at like Count PKC or on LinkedIn, and just send me a note. Let me know what you think. And are you hiring for marketing positions at this time? Uh, we always are. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, so uh, to connect with Paul, like he said, and I'll include links in the show notes uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, uh, if you want to continue the conversation about FreshBooks or some of these great uh, stories along Paul's career path and what he's doing day in the life as a CMO at FreshBooks. Paul, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Paul Cowan for joining us on this episode today. A lot of great tips, a lot of great insights. Uh, really liked his advice on on how not to get stuck. You know, take the risk, change the rules, you know, have that solution mindset. So check the show notes for ways to connect with Paul and links to some other great marketing career resources. And we've got more Career Moments episodes coming your way. We've got marketers that are going to share their stories uh, in the freelance UX design, strategy, content marketing uh, in those marketing careers. So subscribe so you know when they are released. Uh, Leave a review. We would love to get the feedback. And if you need help with any aspect of your marketing career, shoot us an email at connect at themarketinghelp.co, connect at themarketinghelp.co. And until next time, this is your host, Eric Harbison. And remember, today is a great day to start advancing your marketing career.